We welcome you. We are so glad and thankful you are here with us this morning. Why don't we do this? Right now, everyone should have came into the sanctuary this morning with your bulletin. Grab it, tear off that bottom connection card, because offering is coming soon. Like, soon, soon. So you might want to get your offering ready as well, but go ahead, tear that off. If you're a first-time guest with us after service, take your connection card at the bottom of your bulletin, take it out to Radiant Cafe, and uh, we'll have just free drinks on us. That sounds like we're in a bar, but um, it's free, it's all yours, it's just a way to say thank you so much. This morning we got a couple announcements, and then I'm going to, we're going to, we've got this little deal set up here, and uh, I think it's going to be fun, and they took one of my mics. Um, hey, worship team, I know you can hear me in the back. Can I have a mic, please? Um, we'll see if they get the message here. Uh, so a couple announcements I just want to highlight. Uh, we're in summer, so things are going to normally die down a little bit, but uh, we got things ramping up. Hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I want to notice this. Our praise team has actually been invited this Saturday. Uh, to kick off the Homegrown Festival down at Oakland Park. So I encourage you, if you just want to worship, they, they've got, they're on the slot from noon to one o'clock. If you want to go down to Oakland Park and just worship with our praise team, they're going to kick off um, down there at the pavilion. So just really encourage you just to support our team down there. I think it's going to be a great outreach time for our church and our community just to be out there. So this Saturday noon, They've got, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 songs lined up already that they're going to do. So it's just going to be like a praise afternoon. Uh, so it's going to be a great time. So noon uh, down at Oakland Park, it'd be great to see you there to support our team. Also, this isn't on the list, but I felt like I got to say it. Um, we're going to celebrate baptism next month in September, the end of September. I think it's the 25th. So if, I just want to put that feeler out now. We've already got some people saying, hey, Ryan, I really want to get baptized. So we're going to do a baptism service September 25th. If you're interested at all taking that next step, circle B on the back side of your connection card. I know it's not in the, offer, um, in the bulletin, and I know it's, I'm just throwing it at you now, but just pray about it. What's your next step? Is it baptism? And we're going to celebrate September 25th together. The last Sunday in September, we're going to celebrate baptism. I think it's going to be awesome. Yes? Hey, thank you. We got some people alive this morning. Remember, if I don't hear things, I think you don't get it, and I got to go longer, all right? Hey, uh, we are, one of the things that we want to do is um, our, our mission to live love, live like Jesus, share his love. And one of our aspects of our church is sharing Jesus' love, is supporting missionaries throughout the world. And we've been blessed this morning to have Matt Blake and his family here. There are missionaries that we support to the Czech Republic. And um, I actually met him for the first time yesterday. So what we're going to do is I'm going to invite Matt. You can come on up. Can we just give Matt a warm welcome to church this morning? Okay. I hope this one works. They may have given you the bad one. All right. Hey, um, Matt is graciously here for, you're in the States for six months, right? Yeah. And um, so he's visiting some churches, visiting friends and relatives that he knows, and he's here this morning, and I just said, you know what, let's interview you to get a feel of a missionary that we support. Um, it's great that he's here, great that we get to hear from him and see what is God doing on the other side of the sea, 
right? We got this big land, uh, ocean that divides us. We sometimes, um, they try to send us updates and everything, but um, it's great to have him here. Matt, we just introduce yourself because a lot of people here probably don't know you, but a lot of people do know you. So just go ahead and introduce yourself and who you are. All right, I'm Matt Blake, and uh, I have my three kids here with me, Josh, Abby, and Jacob. You got to stand up now. We got to see oh, your beautiful there you go. kids. They're a little. There they go. In uh, in Czech, you can't drive until you're 18. Woo! But in like the that. states, in the states, you can do a little earlier. So my older two just got their learner's permits. So uh, it's dangerous out there now. <laughs> um, and uh, they also just got sunburnt. So if you want to say hi to them later, do not give them a hug. Just. <laughs> High five them from a distance. Uh, we've been in Czech for 13 years now and uh, excited about what God's doing there and uh, glad that we can be here. Awesome. Um, give us a little family update. Uh, what's going on in the last recent months that for some of us are aware, some of us may not be aware? Last time we were here was five years ago and at that point um, my wife had, had breast cancer gone through all kinds of treatment. If you were here five years ago, maybe you remember that. And, and we celebrated because she was in a time of remission and things were going great. Uh, shortly after we returned to the field, uh, the cancer came back, came back in her bones, moved to her liver, and just uh, about two months ago, she passed away. And uh, some of you have been following that and have read her writings. She was a prolific writer and she did a lot and had a wonderful way of sharing the journey of walking with Jesus through really tough times. And, uh, and so we are, we're down one in our family from normal. But um, we're real appreciative for the prayers that have been going, especially in this time of transition as we prepare to head back um, without her this time. And you guys, um, and our heart absolutely breaks uh, for your family. So our condolences. Um, you had mentioned that you, when you guys serve, you're there for five years, and then the IRS kind of kicks you out of the country for about six years. We'll not say IRS on live video, but um, our country kind of makes you come back for six months. Um, and you guys are in that transition right now. So the plan is, give us the, kind of the plan in the next month, what's happening with your kids, and then what's going to happen with you. Uh, yeah, and it's a particular point of, of if you can be praying with us. So our kids start school. They go to public schools in Czech, all in Czech language. Those start September 1, uh, which is less than a month away. I can't move back until November 1. That's two-month gap. So we've got it covered logistically. Um, people are going to help take care of them. I'll take them back. We'll get settled in a bit. And then I have to leave. Uh, not a great time to have to leave, but... Um, so be it. IRS doesn't let me out of that one. So you can be praying for them. We, we've got some people in our church that are going to watch them. My mom's going to come over for a while and watch them. And then November 1st, I'll be able to get back over there. Um, explain to us a little bit. Give us an idea of what... First of all, I, I learned this. You know when the Czech kids have to go through the 13th grade? Isn't that awesome? Like high school doesn't end at 12th. You go to 13th and then you can go. And you have to test into high school in the Czech. I didn't know that either. That's phenomenal. Um, what is happening in the Czech Republic with you guys? What's God doing? What do you guys do there? And where do you see God moving there? Well, we're involved in, in a couple of areas. In, in, we live in the city of Brno, and it's about half a million people. A little bit bigger than Sturgis. 
just a little bit. <laughs> but, but this morning in, in Brno, or today in Brno, if you gathered all the churches together, of those half a million, you'd have about 1,000 people from all the churches all put together. So it's a huge need. And a part of what we want to be doing is continuing to see new Bible studies started, eventually seeing new churches planted. And I pastor an international church, and we're looking to continue to grow, but also to see other churches planted. There's a town that we're doing some groundwork for a church plant in. 15,000 people, there's not a church in it at all. So for those people in that city, they have nowhere in their own town to go and worship and learn about God. And we know God's not really happy with that kind of a situation. We want to be a part of that, uh, helping to bring the gospel to those kinds of places. And also work with people around Europe, church leadership teams, and love what God's doing in some creative ways in different churches. Um, a new church in Czech, the newest one that we have in Czech, average age is about 19, 20 years old. Wow. I, I led a, a church leadership conference as part of what I work with. Their leadership team, 19, 20 year olds, it's awesome. Just really neat to see God moving. Uh, another church in Poland that I work with, um, they just got started. They didn't have any place to meet. Poland's hugely Catholic. They couldn't find a place that would allow them to meet as, a, as an evangelical church. But the pastor uh, owns and runs a dance school. And so they meet in the dance studio. What kind of dance school is this? Uh, I don't even know. Okay, I was just... There's, there's no many different poles. types of dances. There's I no know that. poles in the All dance right. studio. Okay. All right. That's where I was going, but just say it. All right. Thank you. Bring you can get away with it. Pulpit. I got to deal with them every Bring Sunday. Bring it up from the pulpit. <laughs> no, but I tell you what is there is a whole, whole wall of mirrors like you would have in a dance studio. Thankfully, you do not face that way, don't you? <laughs> that would be awkward. <laughs> But God's doing some new things and some creative things, and we love to see it. We hope to see more and more of that happening as God's raising up a church to reach in a country in Czech that pretty much doesn't even think about God and a continent of Europe that's pretty much said, hey, we're beyond that. And they need to see the reality of Jesus lived out in lives. Yeah. Um, that's the scary thing. I don't know if, how many of us know this, but Europe is what they consider in a post-Christian culture right now. And your um, leaders, your religious leaders in Europe will say everything is pointing America to a post-Christian culture. And just hearing a city of 15,000 people, not a single church in it, um, that's the way our country's going. Um, wow. I mean, just incredible. What's the biggest challenge you guys face in the chat? I was thinking about that. He, he prepped me on the question. I was thinking of there's, there's two, two things. One is personally. Uh, probably the biggest challenge we face now is just readjusting to life over there without Crystal. And honestly, these last four years, some of the biggest challenges have not been external things. They've been the internal struggle of going through and what God's doing in, mm -hmm. in that journey through cancer as my wife was getting weaker and weaker. That was a big challenge. Dealing with fears, dealing with doubts, dealing with questions. I think externally, the biggest challenge in Czech is that people don't even think about God. It's not like they're against Him. It's just like they don't even think about Him. And so how to live out life in a way that they can see Jesus in us, that makes them think, hmm, maybe there's something to this that I haven't considered, and I want to check into that. But if you just come and just talk to them about Jesus, most of them are like, not really interested. So you have to see it lived out in a life in a relationship where they can trust us. And it just takes time. That's a challenge. 
Uh, biggest joy that you get serving in the check? Well, I love to see the way my kids are growing up and developing in Christ. And I'm proud of them. They're amazing. I think the other thing that I really love to see is not so much when I do something good, but when other people that I'm working with blow it out of the water. So when someone comes to me and says, hey, would it be okay if I start a Bible study? And I'm like, you don't have to ask. Yes, you can just do that. Um, and then they get a Bible study going that just continues to expand and they don't have room in their house for it. Or when someone gets an idea to start a church or who says, hey, could I help lead worship and could I do some workshops? And, and you allow people to step up. I'm, their pastor right now is gone for six months. I've got three young business leaders who took on the teaching in the church. I love that. I love to see people develop because really the goal in missions is not that we're there forever, but that we really help see the church developed and strong so that they can really take it and run. They're going to be so much better. And that's probably the biggest joy I get. Awesome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as, as a... As a church family, that we, we support you guys, and we had talked yesterday that um, from the beginning, this church has supported you guys. So 13 years we've been in relationship with you guys. Um, what can we do as a church uh, to continue to support you and your family and what God's doing in the check? Well, number one is to pray, and that's probably um, something that you think, well, okay, but what else? No, really. Um, I don't think we would have made it well these last five years without the strong prayer support. And, and I, I don't know all of you, you all don't know me, but I know that there was a, a time when this the church was praying in such a specific way that I was miraculously healed. I didn't even know you were praying at the time. I was on the road and my wife was on a Skype call, I think. And she said, hey, can you pray for Matt? He's just struggling with allergies in such a way that he can't even function normally. And as I'm on the road that day, God took that from me. And I really haven't ever struggled with allergies since. Um, now, sometimes it's things like that. Sometimes it's, um, God, you've got to help carry them. Because truth is, we don't have the strength on our own. And, and we wouldn't have made it, these pastors. I wouldn't have made it well. I don't know that I made it well anyways. But I wouldn't have made it had it not been for the prayers of people. Support, is, your generosity is amazing. Um, thank you for that. Um, and I think when you have a chance to encourage with a note or um, something that connects us beyond every five years ago, this stranger shows up in front. Um, those are meaningful to us. You might think, ah, I don't, he might not even know us. That's okay. Those, meaning, those are meaningful things to us in, in pretty big ways. And uh, Matt and the family have a table in the lobby set up, a little, just a little booth over there. So I encourage you, after service, stop over there. I believe he's got cards that you can pick up. Are they prayer cards? Is that what they are? Yeah, you can yeah. grab one if that's helpful to you. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just our picture. Uh, don't take one. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's a helpful reminder, grab one. And if you'd, if you'd like to get the updates and you don't, there's just a place you can just fill out, hey, just, we don't need everything on there. Just give us your name and your email. And you can just kind of get those. We send about once a month, once every six weeks, so you get something. To, what's going on? So I encourage you to stop by his booth, grab it, throw their family picture on your refrigerator or whatever. I love what your son said when he came in. They've got a banner, too, 
And I said, what is this? And he's like, we are so humble, we have a banner of our family. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> that it's, it's awesome. So stop by, talk to Matt after the service. Um, I'm sure he'll be open for questions and stuff. Um, I've got one more. I didn't prep you on this one. One more. I'm just curious, what's the biggest difference in the U.S. to the Czech? <laughs> um, well, it's not how people look, because you would all look like Czechs pretty much there. Um, the biggest difference, I don't think they're concerned about the same things that we're concerned about in America. Um, I think they tend to be a pretty satisfied people in some ways. Now, sometimes evangelistically that makes things really difficult. But in America, and one of our greatest strengths and probably one of our biggest problems is that we're always wanting something better. And it strives us to be great in some areas and it strives us to be really dissatisfied in other areas. And I think Czechs, uh, they, they like a lot of family time. They, they take longer vacations and go and do nothing. Um, Sounds good to me. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty chill in that way. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, um, I asked Matt if he could pray for our church, us, in the native language of Czech. And the great thing is, if he messes up, none of us will know. <laughs> and then after he prays, um, we w I want to pray for Matt um, and his family as, again, the kids go back to school. And I was talking to the kids, and uh, their school's in Czech, right? I mean, you guys, you guys, I said, do they know you're the Americans in your school? And he said, unless we speak English, or their Czech's a little broken or whatever. But we want to pray for that as well. So Matt's going to pray over us, and then we'll pray over Matt. And I told my kids no snickering during prayer if I say <laughs> something wrong. Bad. Děkuji, pane, za tento čas, který moje jsme být spolu. A víme, že tvoje láska je pro nás úžasné. To ne, to nemáme mít, ale ty to dál. A chceme ti poděkovat, Chceme žít pro tebe a pro tento církev chceme taky poděkovat. A chceme, že tvoje láska, tvoje pokoj, tvoje chválu bude tady. A že tento lidi bude pro tebe jako dcery a syny a bude v tvém ruce Užasné žít a žít pro tebe. A tak se ne pro nás, ale pro tebe, Ježíš. Amen. Before we pray, thank you for saying amen. I was like, when is this prayer going to end? If he says it in Czech, I don't know if it's amen or is the prayer done or not. <laughs> so I'm glad. Is there a Czech word for amen? Yeah. Amen. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sitting up here like panicking, like, how am I going to know when he's done, though? All right, very good. Hey, um, as we do um, oftentimes, hey, in Scripture, we see laying of hands. So if you will, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to, just reach your hand out like you're laying hands on Matt, and let's lift up uh, Matt and his family. Father God, that was a cool prayer, I, even though I have no idea what he said. Um, it's awesome to hear just another tongue that's in the kingdom of God say prayer. And God, we just lift up Matt to you as... Um, he's in the States until November as he makes his journey to um, family and relatives and other churches. God, you just lift him up. May this be a time of rest for him. I just pray for what lies ahead when he gets back to the check. 
God, I pray continue movement over there. In a post-Christian culture, not many people, they're just, they're just uh, with God. And so, Father, I pray that you would send a holy revival over there, that your spirit would move through Matt and the ministry that they're doing. Give him strength and courage when he needs it, that you are his firm foundation, that that's who he turns to for rest is his heavenly Father who loves him dearly. And we lift up his kids, Josh and Abby and Jacob, as they head back in a few weeks to start school. God, I pray for an anointing on their life. I pray for an awesome school year. I pray that they would be a light in that Czech school. I pray, God, as they go back without mom, without wife, I pray for strength like they've never felt it before. And God, I just pray that amazing things will happen at the check. We thank you for Matt and his willingness to serve you in another country. Thank you for his kids. We thank you for the legacy his, his wife and the mom left. God, continue to blow the doors open. And may Matt walk faithfully through them. We thank you for this relationship that the church has with him. The 13 years of supporting them in the check. It's great that he's here and it's great to hear what's happening in another part of this world as we support them financially, as we support them through our prayers and words of encouragement. Thank you for Matt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank Matt for coming? Thanks, buddy. I got to hug you. Thank you so much, man. At this time, our ushers, will you please come forward? And go ahead and grab your connection card out, your offering at this time. And don't forget online giving. We have so many of you now, even more people transitioning to online giving. Don't forget that's there for your convenience. And as the ushers go by with the plates, I ask that you would stand as we worship through song again before the message here this morning. But let's pray. Father, we just lift up a portion of our own worship as we offer back our offering. God, you've blessed us financially. You've blessed us with work. You've blessed us with so many things that I just, sometimes I think we take a lot for granted. And this is just a portion back to say, thank you, Jesus. Trusting you with the 90%. So Father, may we see your kingdom grow with this offering as we take it this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and we thank you for your love. We thank you that it's fierce. We thank you that at times when we feel unloved, you are there walking beside us. Father, we sing this song and sometimes I wonder if we really mean it, if we really understand how strong your love is for us. Because we see it's like a tidal wave that crashes over us. It's like a hurricane that just comes. It's an incredible force upon our lives. And Father God, it's also the last fruit of the Spirit we're going to talk about this morning. So Father, prep our hearts as we dive into your word to look at as we close our teaching series, Superpowers. Speak to us where we need to hear you and tear down the walls where we have built them and we don't realize they're there. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, 
Amen. High five three people around you as you sit down. How are we doing? Good. Well, here we are. We've made it. You can go to the slide, my title slide, Anthony. We have been on a journey this summer together, right? This is actually week 10 of this series. This is a long series, but I felt like every message, every teaching there acted like its own thing. Um, I hope you have grown in this series. I hope as I was in the lobby and talking to someone about just patience, like, you know, Paul, why did you make that one, uh, Fruit of the Spirit? I hope we've grown. I hope it's more on the front of your mind as you constantly deal with people, as you're in conflict with one another. Uh, because again, like uh, self-control, as Pastor Josh did last week. Okay, I find this fascinating. Rabbit trail. Um, when we went into this teaching series, I, I gave Josh and Patricia just, hey, you guys get first shots. Like, what fruits do you want to do? Um, and Patricia chose joy, which she kicked it off for us. Um, Josh chose self-control. But I said, Josh, what's interesting is you, you did not exhibit self-control in picking self-control. Like, he was right away, self-control, that's what I want. You didn't even exhibit it. Like, you need to work on that one there. But hey, this is going to be um, great, and uh, purposely, we left this one for the last. Um, if you're new with us, we've been traveling for, again, this is week 10 of this thing called Superpowers, and we've been looking at the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and it says this uh, together. Let's read this together one final time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Awesome. And this morning we're going to look at the last one, which is what? Oh, that's, okay, let me try this again. The last one that we haven't done is what? So, okay, it's love. We actually did this one yet last week. So now we know who wasn't here last week. love. Love's the last one we're going to talk about. I think it's fascinating that when you look at the biblical writers, they write in sequential order for reasons. There's a reason why Paul puts love first. This morning I want to begin looking at this chart. I made this chart for our kids. It's a behavior chart, so maybe you teachers, you may have something similar uh, in your classroom. Uh, each of them get a closed pin with their name on it. And um, they begin every morning right here, ready to obey. And depending on how their behavior goes throughout the day, they either get to clip up or they clip down. And you can guess which way they like to clip. So I give them the option. I said, hey, like for instance, Livy, hey, great job. Thanks for helping out. Go to the chart, clip your name up. So she'll take her clip and she moves up here to good job and then the next clip up is to outstanding like you're just doing awesome and then finally the top is what my kids are desiring to live out we're trying to teach our kids to live out the bible and the top is a bible verse it's from ephesians 6 1 it says children obey your parents in the lord for this is right amen parents 
So what our goal is with our kids is to move them up here because when you up here, you begin to live out God's word, which we want to do in our kids' lives. But we also give you a reward for this. There's blessings that flow from that. And if you get it up here, my kids get to, it's their choice what they want to do. They can go maybe get something or we just do a family game, whatever. It's their choice. But the bad things is, depending on their behavior, they can clip down. They can go to the first one immediately. Think about it. It's a timeout. They got to go immediately. You're done. Then they clip down again to miss out. They miss out on whatever activity we're going to do as a family. If we're out on the trampoline jumping, if we're bonfire and you're down there, I'm sorry, but you get to miss out because you're not living out the biblical text. You're not living out what you're supposed to. And then finally, if they miss out and they still, their behavior hasn't changed, they're down here to grounded. And the kids actually love this thing. Like it gives them a color picture of how they're doing. And what's really fun is... (laughs) You can make your wife one, <laughs> right? And then you put them like, uh, 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 you're down here, honey, right now. You know, it's really fun and you can play with them. But keep it clean. Um, but the kids have a visual of how well they're doing throughout the day, their behavior. But my question for us this morning is how well do we know we're doing with God? How do we know? How do we know if our clip is up here? How do we know if our clip is down here? How do we know where we stand with God as far as our behavior is concerned? And what's interesting in the Jewish tradition is they have this entire volume which is known as the Mishnah. Let me hear you say Mishnah. It's their 613 laws that they follow in this. 613 laws. Each of these books contain those rules that they have to follow, and there are explanations of how to disobey the rule as well as how to obey the rule. So at the end of the day, this is overwhelming. At the end of the day, you can sit there and go, man, God, I only followed 500 of these. Like, I blew it on 130. You know what, God? It's down here. Blew it. 613 laws they had to obey. That's how they knew when they were right with God. But then Jesus comes on the scene 2,000 years ago, and he comes with a new message. He says, I didn't come to abolish this. What I came to do is to flip this on its head and I came full of love and mercy and grace to people. And Jesus all of a sudden begins to hang out with prostitutes and people who are lame, who can't walk, people who are blind. And the Pharisees, those with the clipboard of all 613 laws, says, hey, you shouldn't be hanging out with them because they've done something wrong. That's why they're a prostitute. That's why they're blind. That's why they can't walk. There's some sin in their life. You can't go because their clip is way down here. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want them to know that God has not abandoned them either. That God still loves them. Even though you guys are making them feel like their clip is at the bottom of the chart. So this morning we're going to look at 
a character in Scripture that went on a whirlwind of a journey that I think we can relate to. It comes down to this last superpower, this last character trait called love. So if you will, if you have your Bible, go ahead, grab your biblical text out and turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We'll be there just for a short while, but that will be the, the main Matthew chapter 26, found in your Newer Testament. Two-thirds of the way through, Matthew, a disciple of Jesus, writes about his account and his time with Jesus, gives us this letter known as Matthew. And for those that you don't have, the biblical text will be on the screen as well. Or grab your tablet, your phone out, and turn there. Let me set it up. We're going to talk about Peter. And uh, if you were to describe Peter, you describe him this way. Um, he's very thoughtful. He's brave. Peter is vocal. He's not afraid. Peter is one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Jesus has 12 followers of him. Jesus is a rabbi, which is a teacher, and you have 12 students that he has following, learning him, uh, learning his, um, the way he does life for three years, about three years. Peter's the oldest of the disciples. Peter's probably in his early 20s. The rest are in their mid-teens to late teens. Peter's married, because we know Jesus stays at Peter's mother-in-law's house in Capernaum. We know Peter's married, but we also know this about Peter. Peter knows that Jesus is the Son of God and isn't afraid to say it. But enter the scene. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is hours away from going to death. And Jesus is telling his disciples, his 12 closest followers, he says, guys, you're not going to understand this, but I have to go to death for you, for the world, and I know you won't fully comprehend it, but I have to do it. And what's going to happen is you guys are going to be scared and you're going to scatter everywhere. And Peter jumps up and he says, not me. Jesus, I have your back. I will never, ever do that. And here we are in Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I'll never fall away, Jesus. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you, Peter, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. That is a huge statement from Peter. Hey, I understand even... I love you so much, Jesus. I follow you. I'm right there the entire time. Even if you go to your death, I'm going to die with you. I'll never disown you. What we know is just Jesus then goes into the garden of Gethsemane. Just on the other side of the valley in Jerusalem. Jesus goes and he brings Peter and a couple other disciples with him. And he's in the garden and he's praying to God three times, God, take this cup away from me. I don't want to go to the cross. Jesus is then arrested there in the garden. Jesus is taken to the high priest's house for trial in the courtyard, and we're told that Peter follows, but at a distance. Jesus is on trial in the courtyard. Peter is at the distance kind of checking things out. And as he's checking things out, a little girl comes up to Peter. 
says, I know you. You were with him, weren't you? And Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. Peter leaves and he, he says, Scripture tells us that he actually leaves the courtyard and he goes to the gateway. He's there at the gateway and I wonder if Peter's thinking, do I run or do I stay? I followed Jesus for three years. He's my rabbi. He's my teacher. I've learned so much from him. I love him. But I know he's on trial. If I stay, I may, sit, I may face the same fate that lies ahead. And he's at the gateway. And another girl comes up to him and says, you were with him. I, I know you were with Jesus. Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. Shortly after that, a small crowd comes to him. He says, give it to us straight. You're Galilean. We can hear it in your accent. You aren't a from here. We know you're up by from the Sea of Galilee. Your accent totally gives it away. Peter says, in Scripture actually it says, Peter curses and says, I swear to you I don't know who he is. And on that, when Peter does it the third time, Peter, who just got done, as we looked in Scripture, said, I'll die with you, Jesus. I won't disown you. As he disowns Jesus a third time, he remembers the words Jesus spoke to him. This is found in Matthew, or Matthew verse 20, or 75. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And he went outside and what, friends? Does Peter know what failure looks like? Sit there and says, Jesus, I know who you are. I will never disown you. I'll die with you. To remembering, uh-oh. And stuff got tough. I disowned Jesus. And as he's at the gateway, he turns outside the city and weeps bitterly. This weep bitterly means it's like an animal crying itself to death. That wailing sound. That horrific cry. This is what Peter's experiencing right now. He blew it. He failed. And now he's carrying regret and shame in his life. And for us, for many of us, we know what it's like to be in Peter's shoes to fail. For some of us, we've failed in our marriages. It's just, this marriage is going absolutely nowhere and it's over and you've or separated, you've moved out and you sit there and say, it's, it's my fault, I blew it. For others, maybe it's in our finances. We were up to our eyeballs in debt and we have just spent all of our money. We're living in change to the bank we just can't get out of this debt. Y'all, you just feel so overwhelmed like you have blown it financially. The money's spent, the money's gone, it's not coming back. For others, we failed at the job. That one position finally opened and you're like, I've always wanted that one. 
But for whatever reason, you were too afraid and the position gets filled and now you're working the job that you didn't want. You wanted that one and you're sitting here going, I blew it. Some of us, it's with our kids, our grandkids, our nieces and nephews, whatever child influence that we have. I'm like, man, I did not set the example for my kids I should have set. And we sit there and say, I blew it. I blew it. And we know what it's like to carry the weight of failure. We've been there before. And we know what Peter is feeling in this moment of failing. We also know that we've ruined friendships, we've ruined relationships, we've ruined family members, we've ruined jobs, we've ruined our finances, we've ruined because of our characters ruined, because of addictions that we've gotten to, we just feel like a failure. And we know what Peter is feeling as he weeps bitterly because we've done the same. For you are just in agony over past mistakes and regrets. Do you know God still loves you? See, even in the failure of what Peter just did to Jesus as he's going into trial, God still loves Peter. Even as he's out of sight of the city, weeping bitterly, knowing I failed my Savior, I failed him, God still loves him. And you know what? God still loves you. And the great news for Peter is God's not done with him. And we're told in Mark chapter 16, Jesus is eventually tortured and absolutely just crucified. It was the, just the most horrific way someone could die. He's buried, and then three days later, thank God the tomb is empty. And women, two women go to properly bury Jesus because it was Passover and they can't have bodies laying around. They hurry up and bury Jesus. So his barrier uh, his burial was just speeded up and they want to give Jesus a proper burial. So three days later, these women go to the tomb. And I don't know if we ever noticed this in Scripture, but it's three days later. Do you realize how stinky this would be? It would be stinky. But out of their love for Jesus, they're willing to risk it all. They go into the tomb and there an angel's there. And Mark records for us in Mark chapter 16, the angel says, don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and, and. I thought Peter was a disciple. So angel, why do you have to say Peter's name? Who of all the disciples are probably struggling with the biggest shame and regret in his life right now? It's Peter. So the angel says, go to the disciples. They scattered, they run. But I want you to go to Peter. Even though he failed, and he's carrying that heavy weight on him. Go to Peter. Go to Peter. Go and tell them. You go next slide, Anthony. There we go. 
He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And what I love about this is that when Jesus comes to Peter, Jesus is eventually going to meet up with his disciples again. He's with Peter. But I want us to all realize this. Even our past mistakes, our failures, our regret, our shame does not extinguish God's love for us in our lives. In fact, here it is on the screen for you. Your sin doesn't extinguish God's love, nor does it erase your purpose. Let's say this together, will you, with some passion behind it? Because I think this is one of the things that the enemy doesn't want us to believe. He wants you to believe you're your failure, you're your mistake, you're your regret. That's who you are. But our loving Heavenly Father says something completely different. So let's read this together, will you please? Your sin doesn't extinguish God's love, nor does it erase your purpose. Now do this. Turn to your neighbor just say, your sin doesn't extinguish God's love. Okay? Go. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, nor does it erase your purpose. Listen, Peter. Jesus is coming. He's got great things for you. You are going to now lead the disciples. You are going to lead this Jesus movement. Because of what you did in the courtyard does not extinguish my love for you, does not erase my purpose. I created you for a plan and a purpose. And because of your failure, it doesn't erase that. You are a child of God. And for many of us, spiritually, we've thrown in the towel. There's no way God can love me for the things that I've done. So you gave up going to church? Just forget, you know what? God doesn't want to hear my prayer anyways. I failed. No sense of reading God's word in now. Like this thing's going to change me. I just feel like dirt right now. God has hopes and dreams for Peter. God has hopes and dreams for you. And your sin doesn't extinguish God's love, nor does it erase your purpose in life. God loves you. When God goes to, Jesus appears to Peter, and says, yeah, yeah, Peter, you blew it, but I still have purpose for you in life. And I love what later Paul's going to write in a book called Romans to the church in Rome. Chapter 5, he says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the who? Huh. Christ died for the ungodly. Paul continues, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. I like his humor here. In verse 8, but God demonstrates his love. There's our superpower. But God demonstrates his love, his own love for us in this. And let's read this together, will you? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In all your sin, in all your failure, in all your regret and shame, Jesus died for you. And we all have an invitation to that. Jesus never, ever in Scripture says, clean up your act first, then come to me. Jesus says, I want you and all that heavy burden that you carry and come to me because it's I and only I who can forgive that and clean that up in your life. 
Don't turn to worldly things. They're just going to make more chaos in your life. You turn to me because I'm the only one who can make you clean. Why? Because it's I who died for you on that cross. No one else but I. For some of us this morning, we look at our life, we look at our mistakes and our past and our failures. I feel like I just don't feel loved. For some of us, we felt God's love for a very long time, and you can just share about His love. But for others, you're just, I, I've never experienced this love. I don't even know what this love looks like in my life. I have no idea. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity. An opportunity to make your life right with God. As we sang, His love is so fierce in your life, God is always pursuing you. Always pursuing you. Knocking on your heart, knocking on your life, but it's your decision to follow and let him in or not. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not worth it. Because Jesus went to that cross for you. You are everything worth it. But we close our eyes. For some of us, as we sit here with our eyes closed, we know exactly what failure, what mistake we have in our mind. When we were like Peter and absolutely blew it. For some of us, this morning we just need to be reassured of Jesus' love for us. That this God has purpose in your life. That this God says your sin does not extinguish my love. I will constantly pursue you because you are my child. I love you. This morning, if you want to experience this love for the first time, to be made right with your loving creator God who says you are my child, Will you just please quietly say these words in your heart? Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I have gone my own way. I've tried to do life without you. I can't do it anymore. This morning, I put my faith and trust into you. Please come and be Lord of my life. I surrender to you. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. That I'm not called by my sin. I'm called as a child of God. Give me the strength to live out. That my sin doesn't extinguish your love. Nor does it erase my purpose. With all eyes still closed, if there was any one of you that mentioned that prayer of surrender, would you just please slip up your hand? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else?
Anyone else? Gosh, you saying I love you. Yes, amen. I see your hand. Thank you. God, we're told that when people surrender their lives to you, that there's a celebration in heaven. Father, we celebrate lives changed this morning. We celebrate and praise the name of Jesus that the tomb was empty, that we have new life in you, that we don't have to live in bondage, but we are free. We don't have to walk in darkness. We can walk in light. So, Father God, for those hands that you know who raised their hands, God, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would just rush upon them, that they would experience your love, God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone together say, amen. Can we just give God the thanks for those lives that were changed? We're going to enter a time of communion together. Um, only rules that we have at Radiant Life is that you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. It's open communion. And on the last night, Jesus shared this meal with his disciples. The number one topic talked about in that last meal was love. It says Jesus took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks to God. Told his disciples, do and eat and do this in remembrance of me. He said, Jesus took the wine and told the disciples, give thanks and drink and do this in remembrance of me. This morning we're going to partake with communion. And we're going to remember what Jesus did for us. The love that he shed on the cross for you and for me. Again, all we ask is you're a follower of Jesus. We have five stations this morning for you to come when you're ready. We have three up front and there are two in the back corners there as well. But we ask this. That you don't come and grab communion until you're ready. What normally will happen is we'll follow the crowd, right? As soon as that one person goes, then the mass goes. I ask that you really prepare your heart. Maybe for some of you, you've got to come to the altars and just surrender again and just say, you know what, God? All I have in my mind is this failure in my life, and I need it gone. And then when you're ready, you can come and grab a cup, grab a piece of bread, go back to your seat, have a time of prayer, and take it with your family, take it with friends, whatever it is. And then when we have everyone that we feel like that communion's taken, we're going to close with, oh, praise the name of Jesus. So when you're ready, two stations in the back, three in the front, we'll have an usher. If you can't make it to one of the stations, just raise your hand, and our usher will deliver the elements to you. So when you're ready, will you please come and partake in communion?